0: This episode of The Happiness Question is brought to you by Jay Schiffman. Jay Schiffman is a public speaker, coach, and host of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. He interviews people with lived experiences on the topics of mental health, substance misuse, and recovery, and drug use and policy to help end stigma and normalize difficult conversations through empathy and vulnerability. Each year, over 125,000 Americans die from overdose and suicide combined. I'm not even talking about the other causes of death related to substance misuse and mental health. Just those two. Those are our friends, our neighbors, our family members. They go to our churches, eat next to us at our favorite restaurants. They talk to us through our favorite podcasts. And these deaths are completely preventable. There are massive system changes that need to happen. But until we can have an honest conversation about these topics... These lives will continue to be lost. That's why Jay produces the Choose Your Struggle podcast. That's why he tells his story. As a guy in long-term recovery who survived two suicide attempts and an overdose, he recognizes his privilege. He's been given a second chance in a country and a world where most people don't even get their first. For him not to use it for something truly meaningful would be a waste of his second chance. That's why he gives up every day to work to end the stigma and ensure that those who need help get the help they deserve because we're in this together. Check out his podcast, Choose Your Struggle, by listening wherever you find podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Anchor. It's the great podcast creator and distributor that helps make the happiness question possible. They make it easy to distribute your podcast onto more than 10 platforms, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, all without you lifting a finger. Even better, everything they offer is free. You can even get sponsorships for your podcast with no minimum listenership required, like I've got. If you're looking to start a podcast of your own, there's no better place than Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.
1: Hello and welcome to The Happiness Question. Today we're here with Mandy Durrell, a mental health and grief counselor from Summerdale, New Jersey. You have done a lot of things lately, um, kind of all over the place. I saw that you're an English professor and other things. we are doing mental health now, which is really cool. How did you get into that?
2: So I used to teach, I'm a librarian at a school, well I was until June. I taught high school for five years. And when I taught high school, I lost six students to suicide within two years. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it got really losing one person to suicide is, is horrible, but losing people over and over again is just exhausting. And you feel defeated. So you you of course have to do something about it. When something really bad happens over and over again, you then take action. So I joined an organization called Spread the Love Foundation. And Spread the Love Foundation was formed by one of the parents whose daughter did complete suicide and they trained me in something called mental health first aid. So mental health first aid, there's an adult version. There's a youth version. There's a geriatric version, a college student version. I was trained in the youth version and youth is considered ages 10 to 24. And that is because your prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until age 25. So getting trained in that allowed me to train other people. And what it does is it teaches people without psych degrees or without, who are not professionals in the mental health Mm -hmm. field to help someone who's having suicidal ideation. And today, I want to say I've trained about 300 people. So all of those people have been able to help different kids that they've worked with. And the goal for me is to get every teacher trained in New Jersey. There's a bill that Spread the Love has put forward with the state as of a year ago. There's been no action on that bill, but I would love to see it pass because if teachers can work with kids and get them help more quickly, then we won't have to lose any more kids to suicide. So it was really spurred by, you know, waking up one day and finding out a student is gone is one thing. And then waking up and not knowing which student you're going to lose next is another.
1: Yeah, I think that would really help having teachers trained in that. Teachers are somebody that we really look up to and trust, and having somebody that knows exactly how to help would be amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and kids don't tell adults anything, and that's just because they don't. And I have accepted, <laughs> I've accepted that. So, um, also training kids in another suicide prevention program called QPR teaching kids that you have to tell an adult if something's wrong with a friend um, really hits home because every time I've lost a kid, other kids, well, I call them kids. Students will say, Oh, you know, they seemed like they were off. Well, you need to tell me next time someone's off because, and you know, they do that because they don't want to get their friend in trouble and they don't want to lose a friend and they don't want to be wrong. So what I do is I train students to say, Get past those fears and know that you're saving
1: a life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That got dark real quick, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what exactly do you do? Like, obviously someone can hire you to do something. What kind of services do you offer exactly?
2: Yeah, so I offer mental health first aid and uh, suicide prevention training, but I also offer training on communication skills. And mostly what I do is teaching people how to feel and be authentic. So, my own personal life outside of the classroom is I, I grew up in a pretty emotionally abusive household. And not all of my siblings would agree with that. They would say that I was a liar. But typically, what happens is there's one child that's targeted or two children, and I was one of the two that was targeted. So in that you develop codependent habits and you learn to just be a people pleaser. So everything that anyone wanted is what I became.
1: Yeah. So with
2: all of that, I didn't know who I was and what I was and what I wanted out of life, and I just kind of rolled with it. And the minute you figure out that you don't know who you are or what you want or why you're feeling what you're feeling, is your first step towards being your authentic self. So what I do with that is teach people how to break you have to break to be able to be you and it's amazing how many people are not their authentic selves so many people that have just gone through the motions for their entire lives and i don't want to see people do that i want to see people feel and be themselves so what i offer is different kind of coaching services and discussions and activities on how to figure out who you are and find yourself and why you're here and what you're doing on this earth
1: so obviously on here we try to talk about how to become happier in our lives it sounds like obviously you have gone through a lot of crazy difficult and depressing things but um you're still here with us which Mm -hmm. is awesome there's a lot of people obviously that don't end up making it with us as you've talked about um what's helped you keep going
2: oh my god therapy is king you absolutely need well not you but I feel like everyone can benefit from therapy, even if you're fine, even if you're living a great life, because um, a therapist can show you things you can't see. We all have a blind spot. And like, I probably at this point, wake up and think I'm perfect. Everything in my life is great. And there might be something I missed. And the goal is not to be perfect ever. The goal is to be human and to be the best human you can be. So I would say therapy has helped me immensely and having a great support network is so important. So many people feel isolated and I did, you know, through my through my family, but you need to find the people that are your family and they might not be your blood family. Find what makes you tick and gravitate toward and keep those things in your life that keep you feeling hopeful because we punish ourselves as humans. We think we sh- we should all over ourselves, you know. That's the big joke. And don't don't should yourself to death. There's there's what you're doing and what you should be doing and what you feel right doing. Do what feels right for you as a human. If you're honoring your own beliefs and your own self, you will be happy no matter what. A lot of a lot of what it is in therapies too is gratitude for what your your situation is. And if it sucks, it sucks. But that doesn't mean you have to stick with a bad situation. You can work your way out of it. But do it with support. Don't leave yourself hanging. So I think with me, I'm, I'm super happy. I don't have a bad day. I was, you know, I was emailing you back and forth and I was really sick. So I had a a meltdown last Saturday and I was like, I'm not going to make it. I'm so upset. I'm so angry. I'm missing everything. But uh, my tears were from the fact that I love life and I was missing out on life. So if you can get to a point where you're like, oh my God, I'm going to miss something, that fear of missing out because I want to, to me, that's, that's in a good place. I feel like every day and every moment counts. And probably because I've lost so many people to death, but also because if you make every day count and you're living the life you wanna live, you wanna show up every day.
1: Yeah. Oh man, being grateful is so helpful. Just love thinking about all the amazing things in your life.
2: Yeah, it is. And it's hard to be grateful when, when life is hard, but it really does change your mindset. There's a really good app that I downloaded, I have to remember the name of it. It's called Gratitude, I should have known that. It's called the Gratitude app, and I recommend it for everyone, because every, it, three times a day it sends me a notification to, to be grateful and to write down what I'm grateful for. So when I'm having a pity party, I have to look back, and it. You know, it's, got, it's in a rainbow, so it's really pretty, um, so I scroll through everything I've been grateful for, and it really does help.
1: That's so cool. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people I don't want to necessarily say everybody, but probably has gone through or is going to go through some kind of depression. When we feel like we don't want anybody out there, how do we change that? How do we allow ourselves to be more open with other people and, you know, change?
2: So you have to find uh, your ride or die person. And that's your your 911 call is your, your person that is your, who do I reach out to if I'm feeling this way? There's, but there are people that don't have that and I understand. So there's an app called Not Okay and I have a former student who uses Not Okay and on Not Okay, she has a list of five people to reach out to. And I think I'm number three or four on the list so I'm clearly not her first priority, no. But on that, she can say, who do I call if I'm feeling like suicidal? In addition to that, if you're not open to talking to anyone, you don't trust anyone, Text the suicide hotline. I have not been suicidal, but I've texted the suicide hotline because I've needed support. My friends couldn't be there for whatever reason or they weren't there. And I said, you know what? I just need someone to talk to to help me get through this overwhelming feeling. So if you don't have a ride or die buddy, you can find one through the suicide hotline and they're there for whatever you're going through. So for me, it was just, I I had an, an issue with a friend And I was, you know, crying and I just needed to talk to somebody. So find somebody to talk to, even if it's anonymous and you want to find someone that's going to make you feel better. That's why I recommend the suicide hotline. A lot of people go to Tumblr when they're feeling overwhelmed by their emotions and Tumblr is not a good place because people will say, well, just kill yourself. So you really need to go where the hope is and someone who's going to listen to you and not judge you and take you seriously for what you're feeling. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to live life. I, I like to joke that I'm Debbie Downer because I'm like, oh my God, feline AIDS is the number one killer of domestic cats. But if I don't joke about it, then
1: yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything specifically you feel like you need to talk about right now?
2: Well, I guess I'll, I'll give an example of maybe a recent issue I had and just how you get through it, if that works. Sure. So I have, I have three brothers and one sister, uh, which is a huge family. And like I said, my siblings would, if you sat us all on a therapy couch, we would all have a different story about how, how we were raised.
1: Yeah. So
2: my one brother and I would say it was horrible. And my other brother and my sister would say it was amazing. And I guess it's just the way families go. But my my younger brother had a baby in June. And I thought to myself, middle of June, I said, you know what? I wonder if he had the baby. I'm going to text him and I'm going to say, when's your wife's due date? Did she have the baby? And he texted me back a picture and he said, Corey was born on June 7th. He weighed such and such pounds. And I said, oh my God, you should have texted me. And he said, well, you know, we weren't really texting anybody. And I said, well, when can I come meet the baby? And he goes, well, we're not really taking visitors right now. And I said, well, what's the gender identity of the baby? And he said, well, he's a boy. And I said, well, let me know when I can come visit. He goes, yeah, probably not for a few months. And I went, okay, that's weird. So I I looked up, you know, I stalked my family on Facebook and all my other siblings had been able to meet my nephew. And so I figured out that he just, he didn't want me associated with his family anymore, based on other things that had happened. So I could have done two things with that. I could have had a meltdown and desperately try to reach out with it, to him and get him to to. I guess let me be in his life, and I, I chose to not do that. So I learned from therapy and a lot of a lot of work over the years that you know people are either. I heard a really good quote a few months ago, and it said, "You are always evil in someone's story." So. I said, "Okay, in my brother's eyes, I'm not the person he wants me to be. He's not going to accept me for who I am, the life I live, the world I live in, and I can't change that." So, not only is it gratitude, it is also acceptance. And that acceptance comes in it goes back to what I said earlier, "Who is your family?" So, I might never have a relationship with his kids, but I have relationships with other people's kids, and I'm friends with other people, and other people love me for who I am. So, it becomes that battle of like, where should I be? I should be with my brother. I should be there for his baby, but he doesn't want me there. So I'm gonna be there for the other people that do want me. So it's living in reality, it's it's acceptance and it's knowing what you can control versus what you can't control. And I can't control other people, but I can control the choices that I make. <sighs> it's so hard to
1: have to deal with that and just accept it. Right? That's the only way we can move on and be happy, right?
2: Yeah, and I I thought, you know, what are these kids going to think of me? And I said, you know what? It doesn't matter.
1: They're not my kids. (laughs)
0: Because I know that
1: I, for sure, eighth grade, I mean, middle school always seems to be hard for everybody, but (laughs) going through depression that way was really bad. Like, I just felt like there was nobody there, and I had to go through therapy and everything on my own.
2: Yeah.
1: And I mean, it really wasn't until we physically moved away to a different state that I was able to move on. Because I, which is, I don't know how to feel about that. I'm glad that I did move on. Maybe it does take a change, a big change from you to just accept that, okay, this isn't going to work, but I can still try again with somebody else or I can just, you know, start over which was amazing just to be able to start over and find new people again. And I mean, really it was just me opening up probably just not even like, you know, before I was like really closed off because I just didn't think anybody was happy to see me ever or, you know, one year and it's hard, but just, Realizing that not everyone hates you and that now that you don't have to worry about, you know, how everyone thinks of you, because no one knows who you are in that new place was really nice. I mean, obviously everyone can't just move physically, but if we move our mentality, perhaps then we'll be able to do a little bit better with ourselves and just gradually move on from there.
2: Absolutely. And I, you know, I don't know, were you in the same school with the same people from kindergarten on?
1: Absolutely not. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I I was a military family. Mm. 2013. So like every two years we moved out of the state. So that was really hard. And then we, I mean, that was never bad like that. I mean, until that point, it was really just hard to move on from the happy things that we already knew, like all the people and everything, and just start over. But if we do that, we can't be better. I don't know, it's just, it's needed. We have to do it at some point. It's better to have practice, I guess.
2: It's o- yeah, it's okay to, to start over and reinvent yourself and whatever life you're living. It's, it's not running away. It's finding yourself and what you need out of life Gosh. and what we don't always know so I had, <laughs> I have a student who is a like a serial dater so she dates breaks up dates breaks up dates breaks up and somebody said man she's really gotta gotta figure that out and I said no she doesn't she's figuring out now what she wants for the future like go her and I, I give her props She's not afraid to try out different people and try out different people for a relationship or try out different people for yourself. Find your own identity along the way. There is no have to.
1: I definitely think we all should be more out there with ourselves and allow other people to come in and stuff. Uh, How do you suggest that we do that? Just let ourselves to open up.
2: Oh, being vulnerable is really hard. I would say test the waters, but have good boundaries along the way. So I'm sort of an emotional spiller. I'll tell everybody everything about me (laughs) within the first five minutes of life. And it takes time and it it takes knowing yourself enough to know who really are the people. So my friend says it this way, who deserves to sit at your table? And if you're going to sit down to dinner with people, are these people you'd want in your house sitting at dinner with you? Or are they people you feel don't even deserve to be near you in your most personal and private space? Find those people that you want to sit down with you and be with you, your whole self and be vulnerable with them and be as honest as you possibly can be raw and be broken. I have friends who Abandoned me for who I am and I have friends who take me for who I am no matter my highs or my lows And it, it takes time to figure that out with people, but if you can find those people you can open up to Those are your people so find your your vulnerability tribe
0: uh, How does someone cope with suicide?
2: With someone they've lost to suicide Yes. Okay, so there's a few things Definitely grief counseling. It takes a long time to get over the loss of a loved one, especially a family member. I've never lost a family member to suicide, but it it takes years. Grief counseling is very, very important. Knowing that your grief is normal is okay. So when you're grieving, you're going to be super weird. I lost a friend to stage four breast cancer. And there there were days when I would get up and I'd blow dry my hair. and, And then I'd throw myself on the bathroom floor and cry. And then i go to work. So, and I have a friend who lost her daughter to suicide and she went to the mailman and she handed him, you know, outgoing mail and she said, oh, my daughter just killed herself. So you're going to be weird and you're going to do things that make others react. And grief counseling allows you to have the support to know that that's okay. There is no timeline for grief. It can take three months, it can take five years. But having that counseling is key. If you've lost someone to suicide and you saw the suicide or you saw them after the suicide, I would recommend EMDR therapy, which stands for eye movement Sensitory representation. That might be wrong. And that is therapy that allows you not to physically see it anymore. So it literally takes that vision away from you. I would highly recommend that for any traumatic event. There are also boundaries with suicide of how much you want to talk about it and how much you want other people to talk about it. And when you're kind of moving out of your grief, set those boundaries with people because they don't always know what you need or what you want. Suicide is very awkward for people and they want to support you, but they don't know how. And it's, it's kind of the responsibility of the person who lost someone to suicide to tell them. If they don't, they're going to end up being disappointed. So... I, my same friend who who lost her daughter to suicide, I would tell her every time someone near me completed suicide. And she she called me and she said, I can't, please don't tell me about any more suicides ever. And I said, okay, that's a great boundary. I appreciate that. So grief counseling boundaries, EMDR, if you were a witness to the trauma, just taking care of yourself is the most important thing you can do. And The other thing that will happen is a year or two might go by and people will say, oh, they must be over it. You might not be over it. You might still be grieving. So you really need to find a support network that can be there for you, even if it's been a year or two years or longer to let you just talk about it. And, you know, people want you to move on because they want to move on. That's normal. But the grieving process is kind of all over the place. And uh, if you can find someone who understands that, you'll be you'll feel more validated.
1: Man, we keep talking about moving on and acceptance like it's easy.
2: I don't even know
1: how we would talk about like how that process even works. I mean, obviously it's probably different for everybody. The
2: only beautiful thing, well, not the only, but the thing I found beautiful about grief was that everyone, it's it's a universal emotion. So I was very grateful when I lost my friend to breast cancer to feel something that brings everyone together. I don't expect everyone to go that deep with it, but knowing that you're not alone in that feeling that other people have felt it definitely helps. It's it's definitely consistency too. I would say with happiness, you know, you need to live a consistent life. So it's not like trying to think what a good example is. Find what works for you. There's, there's what I call it as a toolbox. So for me, my toolbox is yoga. It's eating healthy. It's staying away from alcohol. It's I don't do drugs, but if people do drugs, don't do many drugs. I guess is a is a good piece of advice. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Know who your people are and fall into your routine. So you're allowed to break your routine, but breaking your routine often is going to break you down emotionally so and that's true for anyone with any issue so if I'm going out partying every night a week later I'm probably going to have a meltdown because I haven't been taking care of myself so figure out what your routine is figure out what you need to take care of yourself and stick with it every single day it's not people don't want to be stuck in a routine like I don't want to go to bed at 11 o'clock every night I want to go out but I can't always do that. I have to make sure that I'm doing things to take care of myself, so I can indulge later. But that helps me stay mentally healthy.
1: Besides our gratitude, which is huge, what else can we do to find happiness? Or find what makes us happy.
2: So you you have to try new things. You have to be willing to take risks. From the 34 year old perspective, I left teaching in June. And I said, you know what? I'm quitting. I don't want to do this anymore. And so many coworkers thought I was crazy because teaching is a very stable job. Be unstable in that way. That's when you want to break your whole routine. So your whole routine, keep it until you need to shatter it to pieces. So be willing to guess, be willing to think be willing to say, I don't know if it'll work out. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. i have a very good friend. And we all, our conversations always somehow include, maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll suck. I don't know. Be willing to not know what's going on. That's how you find happiness. Because if you're not sure you're in a really good place, I don't know what my life looks like in five years. I have no clue, but I don't see that as a bad thing. A lot of people have their whole life set out. I'm doing step A, then step B, then step C, and then I'm doing this. I don't know. I don't have it all together. So being willing to not have it all together helps you say to yourself, okay, this is what I need. This is what makes me feel good. Okay. This feels bad. This feels great. I don't like this. Take risks. And I love that about the the younger generation I'm gonna call in because anybody under my age is willing to take so many risks and sleep on couches for six months if they need to and eat ramen noodles for six months but then they end up being millionaires or whatever. <laughs> they all
1: they, the they, money el- they money. <laughs>
2: Huh? all the money they saved on food. Yeah, yeah. I don't have money or food. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I but you have to take risks and be willing to try new things even if you're not sure about them i've never been sure about anything in my life and it's all worked out probably yeah
1: we'll say when you're doing these uh sessions is this like in an actual office or are you like going to people's locations how how do you do this
2: so i um i'm very good friends with my yoga studio owner And I use the studio. So I actually clean for her in exchange for free yoga. So we meet at the yoga studio and I'm a big floor sitter. So I don't really like chairs and I don't really like the formality of sitting face to face in a chair on a couch. So we sit on the floor on blankets or pillows that helps people get their guard down. So when people know that you're a safe space and somehow, I don't know how that happened for me, but somehow everyone has agreed that I'm a safe space. (laughs) um so when you know you're in a safe space you're more willing to be open and vulnerable and and that yoga studio and the way i i set up our sessions makes people feel like they're in a safe space that's
1: really so what made you decide to leave teaching Oh,
2: so I love the kids. They're my favorite part. But I have a really radical belief system that teaching, not teaching, education is not working for kids.
1: Uh, Um,
2: And not everyone will agree with me. I feel that the content is not useful. I feel that the kids are suffering. I feel that what we're doing is limiting our our children have different needs now. So, when I was in school, everyone just kind of complied and did what they were supposed to do. But kids can't do that anymore. And that's because they were all born with social media and with cell phones. So, their brains are ADHD naturally, and they're more creative and they're more willing to test boundaries. So, I, I'll think of, I'll give you an example of a first grader who decided he was going to sleep in the bookcase. Um, like, whatever, do you, buddy? <laughs> it works for me, But it doesn't work for teachers. So classrooms and schools need to change to meet our kids where they are and they're not. And I, I also had a principal who would kind of take advantage of the fact that our parents didn't always know what was going on and kind of twist stories in her favor. I and mean, I couldn't be part of the system anymore that didn't treat kids with the respect that they deserved. And I couldn't be part of a system that wasn't giving kids what they needed. So I got a job with another company and this company teaches kids executive function skills. And what that means is time management, homework management, self-regulation, relationships, how to advocate for yourself, how to stay organized, anything that helps. Yeah, anything that you should be learning in school. So now I can give kids what they need and should be learning, but just not in the classroom. I knew that I needed to leave teaching when I was feeling like what I was giving the kids was BS. Um, And if I feel like it's BS, they definitely
1: know it's BS. That's something pretty bold to say, honestly. Yeah. And how would you suggest we change it?
2: The education system? I think it's going to implode. I've always had the belief that things will change when they're supposed to. And at some point, at some point, there's going to be a shortage of teachers and our. Are... So, for example, back in the 90s, Bill Clinton was fighting math and science. And then all these new math and science classes came into school. At some point, there will be a leader who says we're not giving the kids what they need because students will leave school jobless. And when students leave school jobless, it affects the economy and then they go back and fix education. So I'm hoping that happens sooner rather than later. I don't want to see anyone leave jobless, but I do want to see I do want to see education treat kids the way they deserve to be treated and give them what they truly need. And there might be, you know, I mean maybe fifty years from now education will be the same, but it's still gonna suck. Probably. I'm sure
1: we will find something wrong with everything. Uh, I can only hope it gets better.
2: I hope so. I really do.
1: Good thing I'm going into a useful teaching. (laughs) What are you doing? Ah, What are you doing? Coral ed.
2: Nice. Nice.
1: Not much in the way of useful teaching there, but that'll be fun (laughs) teaching.
2: It's fun teaching, and that's important, too, because if you're having fun, the kids are having fun.
1: I mean, it's the only way I went to high school sometimes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you have to have something to look forward to. Yeah.
1: Man, wish I remembered things that I learned.
2: You know why you don't? Because nobody cared about it.
1: <laughs> I had so many unneeded required classes.
2: Exactly. It's just all ridiculousness.
1: And then, like, I understand why they required things like TE, but, like, we weren't using it the way it was intended to be used.
2: Right. And I had a kid who said he wouldn't do his, his poetry work. And he said, because I don't care about poetry, and I don't care about this class. And I was like, fair. <laughs>
1: fair. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. What do you do with a kid It's not, I mean... You can't force anybody to do anything.
2: No, you can't. And I can't make anybody care about what they don't care about. And he was he was speaking truthfully, so
1: we talked about like eight different apps. I'll probably talk about it or link it somewhere.
2: Yeah, those apps are really important. Do I have any other good ones?
1: So we talked about suicide hotline, not okay, We talked about EMDR.
2: Yes. Uh, that's all I got that's good. Everything else is boring. <laughs> meditation. Meditation's always good. I don't meditate because I, I can't sit still, but there's the Calm app. So if someone needs meditation or will benefit from it, then I recommend Calm. I use it for sleep stories. So the point of sleep stories is to be so bored that you fall asleep, and that's exactly what happens. Um, so if you're someone with anxiety, download calm here's the sleep stories
1: (laughs) at least you'll hate life instead of be afraid of it
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly this is so boring i might as well fall asleep
1: (laughs) so what's life like in new jersey while i figure out my life (laughs)
2: life in new jersey is fine (laughs) Um, i live 10 minutes from philly so i can go into philly whenever i want and I live an hour from the shore, so I can go to the beach whenever I want. Winter is horrible, but otherwise it's great.
1: (laughs) Only thing I know from New Jersey is that there's a city with my name.
2: (laughs) Oh, I live five minutes from that city. I was like, hold on, she to that city. (laughs) Camden is the murder capital of the United States.
1: Woo! (laughs) (laughs) It's a sign.
2: Where are you from? Where do you live?
1: I mean, everybody should do it. Uh, quiet in theater, though.
2: Yes, I agree, because that really helps you figure out who you are. It's really it's important.
1: So much fun to pretend you're somebody else.
2: <laughs> I had a student who was the stage manager, and man, I was terrified of her on stage. I was like, you're scary. I will do whatever you tell me.
1: Is this is true of all stage managers
2: <laughs> i'm like i don't know just don't hit me don't kill me i will find a quote how about that okay well i like this one it says, uh folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be so at the end of the day it's really up to you to choose okay. happiness
1: well mandy thanks for coming on the show today i hope you have a great night you can find more of Mandy Durell by going to her website at yourzenself.com. Again, that's yourzenself.com. Remember, if you like
0: the show, make sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen, and share today's episode with a friend to help us reach as many people as possible with our positive and uplifting messages. And new this episode, you can find the show notes for today's episode by going to
1: bit.ly/mandynotes. Again bit.ly slash mandynotes. And that will include links to all the apps and other things we mentioned in the episode. And of course, don't forget to listen to today's special secret silly song, Cockapoo. You'll love it. This is Camden signing off for now. Good night.